Welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save, and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to firethefamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to episode 19 of the Fire the Family podcast. I'm Nick, and I want to start by just saying thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another episode of the podcast. I want to just take a moment of gratitude for you and your attention. Um, If you haven't yet, visit firethefamily.com. Um, Almost every one of these podcast episodes tracks a post that I have made on the website. And today's article and today's episode is going to be all about avoiding lifestyle creep with a kind of a slant on families. So how our family, um, how we've experienced lifestyle creep, how we try to guard against lifestyle creep. Uh, We're going to start by defining what lifestyle creep actually is. And we're going to talk about some signs and symptoms so you can identify if you have some of that going on in your life. And then finally, some ways that you can uh, avoid it, guard against it, uh, or, you know, be accepting of, of some of it. There is there is that about it, too. So my wife, when I finished this article, I, I told her about what it was about, and she uh, right away didn't know what it was. But once I described it, she was able to, um, she knew what I was talking about because we talk about it pretty often, and, and we have some jokes about uh, kind of where we're at today versus where we were just a few years ago and the things that we enjoy and how we like to spend our money. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I'm going to talk a little bit, just a quickly, quick minute about uh, what's gone on this last week, the direction of the podcast, and a couple of new features on on the website. So uh, the direction of the podcast is going to be a weekly format. So I was pumping out some uh, episodes there pretty quickly. I wanted to make sure to get some content for people to consume and, uh, you know, new listeners that come to the show uh, have, you know, give them a chance to go and have, have enough content for them to dig through. I also needed to kind of learn what I was doing and get up to a level of proficiency so I can provide a good platform for you guys and uh, make this uh, semi-entertaining. So no matter if you're consuming the content on the go, if you're at the gym, if you're on your way to work, if you're at work, or if you're trying to relax at home, uh, if you're maybe in an airport doing some traveling, um, I want to make this convenient. I want to make it helpful. And I want you to learn something. I want you to walk away from these episodes uh, with some tangible information. You're like, hey, I kind of learned something today and maybe some actions that you can apply. The reason for the weekly format is to give myself enough time to really think out the episode, uh, you know, figure out what topic I want to talk about kind of do some preparations for it and make sure that the quality is on point as well as give you time to apply some of the things that we talk about. If I'm pumping out an episode every three days, you know, you may not be able to keep up. Number one, uh, number two, it doesn't really give you a lot of time to practice anything that we talk about uh, if you did want to put it into practice. And so I kind of want to give you some breathing room and uh, as well as I'm kind of taking a small step back from the pure writing my face off, creating content left and right, 
approach that I did for the last four months or so to get the website and get everything up and going. Uh, so with that being said, uh, expect an episode every weekend, uh, either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, no later than Sunday, I'll have a new episode up every week. And I'm super excited about the future and where things are going. The episodes are starting to take off. We're getting a lot of views. Whatever platform you're on, uh, if you want to uh, give us a shout out, uh, some sort of rating or subscribe or whatever the platform you're on does, I uh, definitely would appreciate that and definitely helps us out. Uh, as well as let's talk about the website. So I made a, some, a few different arrangements um, on the menu on firethefamily.com. You'll notice a link that just says listen. And that link is great because it takes you directly to our most recent episode as well as links to where you can listen to us on your favorite platform, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Overcast, or a number of others that are, are listed and then we also redid, I did, redid the logo last night, so I'm pretty excited about what the new Fire the Family podcast logo looks like. And uh, yeah, so things are moving and shaking. Uh, fixed our resources page, it used to be tools and resources. Now it's just one single page and there's the fire the fire flow chart if you want to see visualize your path to financial independence uh, money checklist if you want to improve your financial communication with your spouse and goals worksheet if you want to identify and affirm your income budget and investing goals there's a sheet for you to do that and uh, it's been super helpful for my wife and I um, that we've been doing that for like the last decade and it's amazing the things that we've accomplished without really realizing it uh, there's our ebook don't forget to get that uh, basically it's free if you give me your email address I will uh, send you a free copy of my ebook when it's complete this year. So pretty excited. Lots of things happening. Let's get into the episode. How to avoid family lifestyle creep, also known as silent inflation. And this is something that is completely within your control, but it's also human nature, in my opinion, and it's fairly difficult to guard against. It's kind of sneaks up on you. It's kind of like the thief in the night kind of idea where uh, it just happens so slowly and subtly and it's easy to make small excuses for you know small increases in spending each month. Before you know it, you're no better off where you were when you had a lower income. So naturally, our incomes increase during our lifespan. So when you get to be um, 50 years old, as a male, you're going to be close to maxing out how much you can make each year. You'll be at your peak income trajectory. And I have a whole article and an episode on that previously. And uh, income trajectory episode was episode 17, just the one before last. And uh, you can, um, you'll, you'll be maxing that out, right? So if you're, but when you're young, younger, as your income grows, if you continue to increase your spending to keep up with that income, or sometimes people get into the trap of overspending and having to drastically increase their income just to keep up. And that's just a super dangerous uh, cycle to be in. So what happens is if you continue to increase how much you spend depending on your income, you will get to a point where it scales, right? So you'll be making a ton more money than you used to be. Maybe maybe you're making twice as much in your, you know, at 50 years old than you were at 30 years old. Um, but if you're spending twice as much, it doesn't really matter. You're pretty much making the same. And so what's the point of working really hard and trying to build networks and uh, get new jobs and get new positions and get an education and get a higher income if you're just going to spend overspend and spend more than you're than you should? And the whole idea is finding out finding out how much you're spending, how much you absolutely need to spend to keep you know your hierarchy of needs, your food, water, shelter, 
um, and all the basic needs that you absolutely have to have. And then going from there and adding some of your priorities that you want to spend on what people do, they do the inverse, they spend however they want. And then at the end of the month, they try to stretch their last little bit of dollars to make it work. And the math just usually doesn't check out. It comes with a lot of stress. And that's the bane of a lot of arguments and a lot of divorce and a lot of just suffering and families in general. And all of it's kind of avoidable if you know what to look out for. So a quick and very small example uh, to keep things lighthearted is uh, one that I experienced in my own life. And that's instead of buying like mainstream mass produced beer brands like Keystone or Coors Light or um, uh, Miller Light, right? They're like 15, 16, $17 for a 30 pack. Um, it's, I don't buy beer like that anymore. I did in my early twenties and now it's not uncommon for me to spend 10, 11, $12 on a six pack. I've pivoted and kind of, I, I like to think I've matured into, uh, really just drinking, you know, local craft brews. We live in the hop capital of the nation. Um, more, I think more hops are grown here than anywhere else in the nation and the second largest grape growing region in the nation as well. So we live in a prime part of the of the United States where beer and wine is available at uh, in copious amounts. There's so many local beer brands around here. It's unreal. It's a pretty cool place to live. Um, but before you know it, it's really easy to look at your budget for the month and, and um, overspend in that category. So like I said, that's a small example, but a lot of those add up over time. If you upgrade the things that you enjoy over time, you're going to probably find yourself overspending. So who's at risk of lifestyle creep? Um, typically, there's two big groups, uh, young adults and the, I don't want to say elderly, but those that are approaching retirement age. So let's say 50s and 60s. Okay. So young adults are at a risk of lifestyle creep due to joining the workforce seeing their income gradually rise and having freedom of choice. So you go from being controlled by your parents, not having any money, and you go from that to having a career, uh, potentially. You maybe went to college and got a degree where you may be able to earn a higher income. Maybe you went in the military and all of a sudden you go from having nothing to having a career like I did. Uh, it just depends. Whatever your path may be, typically as a young adult, you're going to be making money uh, probably more than you were as a teenager, and you're going to be on your own in a sense. You can make your own decisions. So with that freedom comes great power, and that means that you need to make the right choices. And if you just start spending you know, your paycheck every month, you're not going to be left with anything at the end of the month, which means that you're not going to have any money to save or invest, uh, and that over time will cause you to not be on track for financial independence. And no matter what anybody says, you need to reach financial independence someday, whether that's 65, 45, 70, that's up to you. And that's within your, largely within your control. Um, the math, you know, kind of works out and in, in your favor to where, you know, that if you can execute and you can save and invest a certain amount of money that that will, uh, traditionally and historically, lead you to financial independence at whatever time in the future. And that time is dependent on how much you save and how much you invest and your rate of return and how much time you give it. Okay. So as your income increases, so does spending. Um, I see it in our family. Uh, we, you take on car loans, you take on, um, you buy new, lots of new things. Maybe you are, you know, redoing your house, uh, maybe you go out to fancier restaurants than you used to. 
Uh, maybe you don't eat fast food anymore. Maybe you just go to restaurants or whatever it may be. Um, I talk about restaurants a lot and eating be and, and drinking because that's the majority of our uh, discretionary spending is on consumables. And that's super frustrating. It's even more frustrating if you overspend on groceries and restaurants because you're eating your you're essentially eating your money. You're eating your future your your future wealth. And it's just so frustrating. And now if I went and I overspent and I bought, you know, some tools or, you know, something that I can actually use for the rest of my life, like I'm not as upset. I'm definitely like frustrated that I didn't stick with the budget, but at least I can use the tools for a long time and maybe pass them down and, you know, get a lot of value out of them. But when majority of people overspend on food and it's just obnoxious, um, it's yeah. And that's enough of that. But that's, that's why I always talk about restaurants and, and groceries and stuff because it just gets to me. Uh, it's much easier to control your lifestyle and spending rather than having to downgrade your lifestyle and spending. So if you if you stay on top of this and you make the decisions early to implement a budget, an every dollar budget, we'll talk about what that is, uh, and you practice you know good behavior early, it's so much easier than having to reduce a lifestyle that you're used to. Uh, my wife likes to drink. Um, a uh, bubbly uh, shampoo. It's like a shampoo. It's a ro- rosé, right? So it's a bubbly rosé. And she would. She never used to drink that. She used to just drink like regular wine, like affordable regular wine. Now she, the bottles that she drinks are like $12, $13 and you get four glasses out of them. So if you go through one, you know, one of those every few days or once a week, I mean, you're, you know, that's 12 bucks a week or 40, $50 a month. And before you know it, that's a bill and that's expensive. And so not that I'm saying anything negative about her. That's similar to my, my beer example. Um, I go from drinking, you know, cheap beer. That's 33 cents a beer to drinking beer that's like a dollar 50 or two dollars a can and so um that's hard to reduce it's gonna it would be really hard for me to go back to drinking light beer and it'd be really hard for my wife to go back to um, maybe drinking whatever it was before that she had and and um so that's that's one example right um so here's some other examples of lifestyle creep so that aren't, aren't alcohol related, I promise. Uh, lifestyle creep can take many forms. In my experience, going from zero taxable income to over $130,000 in a short period of time has made my wife and I more aware of the dangers because we, we really quickly went from living bare bones, shoestring, everything, and having cheap dinners and cheap meals and grocery shopping on a budget and not taking on additional bills like cable and subscriptions to all of a sudden having the, the ability to do those things. And so we noticed like, Hey, you know, we started eating out a lot more for convenience and, um, we just, we went on, we started, her and I started, we kind of went on some more trips this last year than we're used to. And so we've felt it pretty quick and because it wasn't so gradual, what typically happens is that uh, it's a gradual effect for most people. So you just don't even realize that it's happening. Um, so in our family lifestyle creep takes the form of increased spending on conveniences and experiences really. And conveniences is, is mostly eating and prepackaged food and restaurants and experiences as traveling or trips and um, experiences with the kids. And that's one I'm not, I don't get too crazy about. We definitely stick within our budget, but if we happen to overspend a little bit uh, in some of those categories, I, I don't, I don't, I don't beat myself up about it. Experiences are, are very important to me and um, providing that to my family. 
so we find ourselves, we're much more tempted to overspend on restaurants and vacations, but rather than simply eating more fast food, we're more likely to dine at nicer establishments. So I'm not going to eat more McDonald's because I can afford to. I'm probably going to eat, you know, Dairy Queen and Arby's more, which is a little more expensive. Um, or, you know, some of the other franchises that are around us. Uh, but when my wife and I go out, we go out to like wineries, we go out to like breweries, we go to like Bonefish, which is a little bit nice of a restaurant. Um, we're not going out to fast food, that's for sure. And so for her and I, we enjoy those things because we we really enjoy the time together. We enjoy the kind of a romantic environment. Um, we enjoy having a lot of fun. Um, every time we go out, we try to go on kind of a date once a month. And every time we go out, we're doing something different, whether that's a brewery, winery, restaurant, um, maybe an overnight trip, uh, you know, an hour or so away, whatever it is. Um, we are more likely to overspend on, on those things that are a little bit nicer. And that's that's lifestyle creep. We didn't used to do that. And those places are more expensive. So we need to make sure that that stuff fits into our budget if we're going to be doing it. Right. So this starts with having a budget. And we're going to get into kind of the typical family path and how you can control lifestyle creep. And that's that budgets in there. Um, so before we get there, though, here are some other common examples of family lifestyle creep that you may be experiencing. Uh, increased restaurant spend, increased wardrobe size. Maybe you're buying more clothes than what you used to. Maybe the clothes are better material. Maybe you're, you know, you have way more shoes than you actually need. Um, are you taking on additional car loans? Um, what's the size of your flat screen TV right now? How many flat screen TVs do you have? Uh, how many hobbies, new hobbies do you have? How expensive are those hobbies? Are they, are they expensive? Are they cheap? Are they free? Um, what's the name of the brand kit brand of uh, your kids clothes? That's a big one for us. We, you know, my boys all have Nike shoes and well, you know, we've gotten them at the outlet, usually at the outlets whenever we get, whenever we can, it's still, you know, more expensive than what you'd buy at Walmart. Um, but then also there's the trade-off of quality versus like how long will they last? How long will it take for them to outgrow it? No sense in buying a kid a pair of Nike shoes if he's going to wear them for three months and outgrow them uh, unless you can hand them down. And we're very lucky to have three boys where we've hand, we hand down a lot, a lot of clothes. Um, how frequent are you taking, how frequently are you taking vacations? Do you have a car wash membership? That's a big one where I live. We live in a desert and it's so windy and we have these car washes that you can subscribe to for like $30 a month and you can go, you know, X amount of times or unlimited times to get your car washed. And that's expensive. Go buy a pressure washer and some soap and it'll pay for itself in like two months or three months. So that's one too name brand diapers. So Amazon sells a kind of an Amazon brand of diapers and wipes and they're pretty affordable. And there's like this honest brand that's really popular too. And what my, my kid is in it because he has eczema and kind of gets a, a rash from some of the cheaper diapers. Um, that's what my wife says at least, but she buys the fancy diapers, but we buy the Amazon, you know, branded wipes, which are a lot more affordable. So it kind of is a wash in the end. Uh, but having to have all these, you know, name brand diapers, the diaper genie and these, all these fancy kids stuff, man, it'll take you for a lot if you don't uh, take you for everything you got if you don't pay attention to it. How many rooms in your house do you have? Uh, do you have more rooms than people in your family? We live in a time where people have so much more than they actually need. Um, and that comes in a lot of different forms, but that's a good example right there. Uh, and credit card debt. How many credit cards do you have and how much money is on those credit cards? Um, so the typical family path for people in my neck of the woods, people that have been close to my family, family and friends, people that I know, my neighbors, people in our neighborhood. I grew up in the neighborhood that I live in right now, so I'm pretty um 
you know, close, got my kind of my ear to the ground on this one. But um, here's the common path that people around me and in my life have taken. And I've seen go to college, take on debt, party, buy a car, party, get married, party, buy a house, party, have kids, party, buy a bigger, nicer car, party, buy an RV, party, go on vacations, party, buy a big, nicer car, bigger, nicer car, party, panic about retirement, party, invest, party, retire, party, die. That could be a, that could be a song right there. That's, that is common. That is like going to college, taking on debt, buying a car, getting married, buying a house, having kids, buying a bigger, nicer car, buying an RV, going on vacations, bigger, nicer car. Then it's like, oh no, I have to do this thing called retirement and I'm in my forties and it's almost too late. And so now I have to say, I have to save and invest and really reduce my lifestyle, which is really difficult to do. So I would say a small percentage of people actually are able to do it and then get ready to retire. And then typically people, you know, die within 10 years of retirement. That's like a common path. And that is like, it's so hard not to go that route, uh, especially after having kids. It's like, oh, honey, don't you want to have an RV so we can go camping? And it's like, yeah, let's buy an RV and let's have, you know, a 30 year or whatever. You know, I had a, I shadowed working at an RV sales dealership for a couple of weeks uh, a number of years ago. And they would put these, they'd put people on 30 year loans to get an RV. I don't think it's super common, but people take seven, 10, 15 year loans out to get RVs. And as soon as, if you buy a brand new RV, it's like, it's like a 30% depreciation the day you drive it off the lot. And then it just depreciates so fast. It's one of the worst like depreciating assets you can, well, it's not an asset. It's one of the worst depreciating items you can buy as a human being. And then what happens is like people get tired of it or they want a new one and they go trade it in and they roll over that negative equity. And it just becomes a shitstorm of like, debt and it's obnoxious. Anyways, that's maybe that's not what everybody's doing, but uh, the average person is up to their neck in credit card debt. The average person has a lot of student loans. The other person, uh, the average person, uh, you know, makes what the average in the United States is like 45,000 a year. So you can rest assured that if you drive through your neighborhood, the majority of people you see that have recreational vehicles like RVs, campers, boats, that kind of stuff, they probably can't afford it. And that's not to say like, that makes me feel better by saying that. That's because it doesn't. It makes me feel sad. Like it makes me feel immense sadness for people that strap themselves down with this and they can then they can never leave their job if they want to. They can never move across the country if they want to. They can never go on uh, a month-long vacation uh, somewhere in Europe if they want to. Uh, they are missing out on life experiences. They're missing out on, um, you know, lots of things. And you could say that the same for me, that we're missing out on experiences by not buying an RV. But hey, we've got a big family tent and we like to use it. And I'd argue to say that there's a way that you can get a lot of the experiences you get out of an RV without having to have one. Um, this isn't a rant about RVs. Um, I grew up with our, an RV in our family and a trailer. And um, absolute, some of the greatest memories I have in my entire life are uh, times up at the trailer. Um, but we also had on a piece of property on the side of a lake that we could go to every single weekend. There are weeks at a time. And um, yeah, it's just to each his own, right? Like it's it's the freedom of choice and you can make that freedom, but don't complain about not being on track to retire at the time you want to if you have all these things. Uh, so here's how we've mitigated our family lifestyle creep. We didn't take on student loan debt. I joined the military and got the access to the GI Bill and I've gotten three degrees 
uh, without any debt. I actually got paid to go. So um, I received a BAH stipend going back to college um, for like 1200 bucks a month every month. And my tuition was 100% paid for. And I have an article on the website about that as well. And a link in this blog post directly to that and kind of what that looked like. So if you have a young person in your life that's contemplating the military, show it to them, share it with them. It's an amazing route to go. Not only is your tuition paid 100%, but you get paid. You get a monthly check in the mail. It's tax-free to go to school. It's unreal. And I did that for six years. Um, I worked for two of those. Well, I worked the whole time. I uh, worked for a state organization uh, that helps veterans get out of the military and go back to school. And I was able to work at the campus that I went to school at. And then I graduated. And when I started working on my uh, master's degree, I had a full-time, full-time job. Um, but I was still um, using, using uh, my military benefits. The second way is that we had kids in the military and that doesn't cost, doesn't cost you anything. Uh, so TRICARE is the uh, medical plan and the insurance that you have as a, as a service member. And um, we had two of our kids on active duty and no, we had one of our kids in active duty and uh, two of them while I was in the guard and uh, TRICARE pays, they cover everything. So we didn't have any medical debt for having kids. Uh, that's another, another plus one for joining the military. Uh, number number three was that uh, we buy used cars. I mean, we've bought one brand new car in our life, and that was when we were 21 or 22 years old, and it was a Chrysler 200. It was brand new, and it was like $18,000 to take it off the lot, and that thing, just watching that thing depreciate was all I needed to ever see my entire life to know that I will never buy a, a brand new car again, and... Uh, so that's number, that's a big one. Don't buy don't buy new cars. Buy new used uh, something that's you know right now at 2020. So I'd say something that's 2015, 2016, 2017. Uh, find the depreciation curve. There's a website out there that's super simple. Just Google card whatever card is depreciation curve, and you can it'll tell you when the best time basically statistically to buy that car is where you're going to get the most long term value out of it. Another way is that I married a saver. My wife is really good at saving money. She had a couple thousand dollars when we got married at night. And um, I had zero dollars. I'm the impulsive one. I'm the one that's going to go to the store and come home with like a giant flat screen or a new tool. Um, so I just don't go to the stores. <laughs> but my wife is definitely the saver. Um, and that marrying the right kind of person or personality was a big, uh, big plus. Um, buying a small house. So we have about a 1,480 square foot house. And we've got three bedrooms, two bathrooms. I've got three little boys. So two, one, two of them share a room. And uh, we're regularly discussing what that looks like as far as space is concerned and lack of space and what kind of our next house will look like. But by buying a smaller house um, as our first house, we kind of gave us the ability to not overspend or be house poor. And when we bought the house, it was a third of our income. And because I was the only one working full time. And now that Kayla and I are both working full time, it's like an eighth, seventh, I don't know, something like that, sixth, a sixth of of our income. And so it's, we're definitely very thankful that we didn't overspend on the house. Another way that we mitigated our family lifestyle creep was using credit card rewards for travel. Like we like to travel. Kayla and I like to go to Vegas every other year or so. It's a fun time, fun way to get out of the house, uh, away from the kids for a little bit and kind of just have us time. And so by using our credit card, when we are going to purchase things like a new dishwasher or groceries or um, any sort of purchase that we're going to make that we're going to have to make anyways, we'll put it on the card and then wait for it to post and then pay it off. And then those rewards build up. We used like 100,000 rewards or something to get reward points to get a uh, uh, basically free airfare 
uh, and hotel down in Las Vegas. Cause from where we live, it's like a one, a one shot flight. And there's a lot of really great package deals for like less than a thousand bucks. So you can go down there fairly cheap. Um, and so we use credit card rewards to get there completely free, which was super cool. And we use the capital right now we're using the capital one venture card. So that's been a nice card for us. I don't like the annual fee. So we're probably going to be looking at something different. And then uh, the last one and a half year is never buy an RV on a loan. And I think we've already beat that horse to death. Uh, so now that you know kind of how, you know, symptoms of it, signs and symptoms, some things to think about. Um, if you have some lifestyle creep going on in your, in your house, um, kind of the path that I see people taking that kind of creates this lifestyle creep and then uh, how we've kind of mitigated it in our own life, but still had, you know, much of the same experiences that uh, a lot of people had, you know, the fire movement, the financial independence, retire early movement is not sacrifice. It's not uh, a monk ish lifestyle. Heck Kayla and I aren't even minimalists. Um, we'd like to be, we both like to be, but uh, I mean, I don't think we fit that bill either. And uh, I think we're doing a pretty darn good job with our savings rate and watching our uh, net worth continue to rise. So here's controlling lifestyle creep. Here are four steps to controlling lifestyle creep in your family. Number one, implement a budget. Starting an every dollar budget is the smartest action you can take for your family. You need to track every dollar of income and where it goes throughout the month. You cannot fight what you cannot see. So if you don't know where your money is going, you have no idea you know, how to use it. You have no idea how to maximize your efficiency when it comes to your money. And, um, you don't have any way to determine if you're a victim of lifestyle creep. Once you've implemented a budget. Um, and when I say every dollar budget, that's taken from the Dave Ramsey, every dollar budget app that we use, we love it. And it saved us thousands of dollars, um, just by being able to track every dollar of our income. So we know before the month, how much money we are going to make that coming paycheck. And we have a plan for it before it even hits our bank account. And uh, that's just a huge, huge thing. It's been really amazing for our marriage and our family and being able to maximize our income. Number two, define the lifestyle creep. You must first understand how lifestyle creep affects your family. What forms does it take and how much money it's sucking out of your bank account each month. So now that you can track it, you need to figure out and look at your budget and figure out where your holes are. You're in a ship and there's a hole somewhere and you're leaking water into the boat. Um, so you need to find that hole and you need to plug it. You need to stop spending in that in that segment or really determine uh, if you if it's that much of a priority for you to continue to spend there. And that takes us to number three, determine your needs versus your wants. Your budget's going to show you what you absolutely need to survive. So what we did was we took our every dollar budget down to bare bones minimum and it was painful and we did it for a month and it was like too painful. And I think that for us, for a family five, that was like, 4,000 bucks, maybe like $3,800. And it was like way too tight. We basically ran out of groceries and, uh, we just felt the pain. We felt the burn. And, uh, so we started adding the things that were, you know, kind of luxury, some conveniences here and there. Um, you know, some craft beer, maybe a pizza night here and there, whatever. Um, so we got our, now we're up to about 43, 4,400 a month, uh, on average. 
that we uh, our expenses are at, and that's not counting daycare. So you add daycare to that, and we're we're you know not doing so hot. Um, but daycare is like two thousand dollars a month, so that really jacks us jacks our budget up there. Um, but we in or, what we did was we determined our needs, we figured out our bare minimum, and then we added back to that. Um, by priorities. So we added a coffee budget because we have a really sweet coffee uh, company around us. It's on every street corner in our town and the coffee is amazing and it's convenient and it um, helps my wife and I, you know, I don't know, perks us up a little bit. We both enjoy it. And so we added a budget line item for that. We added um, just some other things here and there of areas that we like to spend on. And yeah, that raised our budget a little bit, but it also um, helped us, you know, not feel that burn so much. But we know where we're spending it and we know that our budget works out. We're able to keep a high savings rate, um, which is the amount of money uh, from our income that we're able to save each month. And that money then needs to be put to work. It needs to make sure you have an emergency fund and then it needs to go in the market. There's no sense in having a high savings rate if you aren't uh, putting that money to work for you. And if you have questions on kind of what those steps may look like, I have the fire the family or fire flow chart on the website. There's only a couple flow charts out there for personal finance. And while it's not perfect, it doesn't answer every situation. It's kind of the most common situations. It reminds me of like a board game where you start out, uh, you know, at the starting starting area, you go step by step by step and you can get a good idea of what's coming down the pipe and uh, what to look forward to, what kind of decisions you might have to make in the future. And then you can look and look back and see just how far you've, you've come. Number four and finishing out this list of uh, controlling your lifestyle creep is be self-reflective. Once you've budgeted, you've defined, you know, what lifestyle creep means to your family. Uh, You've determined your needs verse once. Now it's time to be self-reflective. So before you choose to eat at a fancy restaurant or a decent restaurant, when you make that decision, are we going to McDonald's or are we going to, you know, get some steak that's like 50 bucks a plate? Uh, or if you want to impulsively join a wine club membership because you're out uh, having some wine tasting and you've had a few uh, glasses of wine and then they put their little sales sheet in front of you and try to get you to sign up for their quarterly you know, wine purchases, uh, you should ask yourself what you're do- why you're doing it. Would you rather spend that money elsewhere? Um, it's really time to make those tough choices. So you, you need to figure out why you're making the decisions you're making. Why do you need a 80-inch TV? What, what is it about your, do you entertain people? Do you have people over for the Super Bowl? Um, do you, you know, do you play certain video games or something that a big screen would be cool on? Uh, do you just want it? Uh, do you want it because your neighbors have it or your friend has it? Um, really, and it doesn't matter what the answer is. That answer is, is right for you. But whatever you, um, you decide, then that is, you know, that's, that's what you can do, right? So, I don't know if that didn't make any sense, Um, but you really need to internalize why you're making these purchases. So I was at the store not too long ago and I bought a new miter saw and yeah, it was a Christmas gift that I returned and used that, um, that credit towards something different. Um, But I really wanted to find out what, if that was the best, the best use of that money, why was I buying a miter saw? What could I do with it? What did I plan on doing with it? And did I buy it just because it was shiny and new or because I could really get some value out of it? And for me, it was like, uh, I wanted to build some garden boxes and I already built one. Uh, I wanted to do some woodworking with my son had some projects and he wanted to make a sword and I, you know, internalized it all and was like, man, you know, I definitely, yeah, this is a good purchase. I'm going to make this purchase. And it even, you know, it didn't matter that it was a Christmas gift. Um, I would have gone through that same, that same mindset before if it was my money. 
And that is a great practice to be in and just slow down. If you find yourself at the store and you're buying some fancy item for like, you know, hundreds of dollars or a new pair of sneakers, you know, why are you buying those new pair of sneakers? Is it just because you like the way they look? Is it because your coworkers might think differently of you? Is it because you're trying to impress that girl next door? Whatever that reason may be, um, there's no wrong answer here. It's just um, making sure that before you make these big purchases that are going to put a big dent in your budget, uh, that you know uh, why you're doing it. And I think the more you're able to do that, it's similar to like um, having anxiety. So anxiety is something that I started struggling with mm, about mid-20s. I think I've always had it, but never really started affecting me a lot until I was you know, well into adulthood and separated from the military. And so it's something that I've dealt with and I've worked through and I'm constantly working through. And for me, if I can sit back and say, okay, I'm feeling this feeling and why am I feeling it? And, you know, just, just being with it and experiencing it and living with it and looking at it. And, um, it really starts, it really helps. It really slows things down. And you're like, oh man, uh, why am I like panicking right now? Like there's, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm in my house, maybe laying in bed, even I'm comfy. I'm warm. I'm, I've got a full stomach. Uh, I had a great dinner. I had a great day at work today. You know, there's no reason to be panicky and, you know, be anxious. And so similar to when you're going to go buy something. Um, I think that that's super helpful to be self-reflective and in all areas of your life. I think it's going to be, I think it definitely will help you if you're able to do some of that and maybe, maybe help your spouse do that as well. Like if you can get to a point where your spouse is about to spend on something really expensive and you're like, hold on, let's think about this. And you run them through that exercise. Um, you might just help them as well. And, and hopefully that doesn't lead to like some animosity or anything like that. Definitely make sure you can go that direction in your relationship. Um, but I think it's, I think it's an interesting, uh, interesting experience. Um, so here's some other quick ways to guard against your family lifestyle creep. If you plan ahead for your wage increases, if you know you're going to have a higher income, plan for it. Figure out what you're going to do with your money before you get your money. You can combine your finances. I'm a huge fan of combining your finances after marriage with your significant other. And I just think that there's no, I mean, I, the onus isn't on me to, to persuade you that that's the better way. I would rather have people come and tell me why, why they think that that's not the, the best way possible. Cause I've yet to see an argument that makes any sense. Uh, so we'll leave it at that, uh, make money on the side, um, give yourself an allowance Auto allocate to savings, check your ego, practice gratitude, develop cheap hobbies, get rid of credit cards or limit your usage of those credit cards if you can't use them responsibly. Um, auto allocate the savings is a big one. Make sure like I put into my, my 401k that gets an employer match every month uh, before my paycheck even hits my bank. Um, if you can allocate out to all your investments before that money hits your bank, then you've already put your rocks in the jar. Have you heard that story of putting your rocks in the jar? Uh, that's, that's a really good one. So a teacher has a jar, he puts, uh, rocks in it and he puts, well, okay. He puts sand in the jar first and then he tries to put rocks in the jar and there's no room. And then he adds water to the jar and there's no room because the sand compacts. And so really all he can get in the jar is sand, all the little things. Those are not priorities. If you take the same jar and you put the big rocks in and then you put the little rocks in and then you put the sand in and then you fill the jar full of water, you can still fit more in there and you can fit all of it in there. And the rocks are your priorities. And so investing for retirement is a priority and should be the first thing that your money goes to uh, when you get that paycheck or prior to that paycheck hitting your bank. Um, that is so important. The other one I want to touch on is giving yourself an allowance. People look at me like I'm crazy, but my wife and I give each other an allowance every month. It's money that we can spend however we want. 
And it's not like an insignificant amount of money. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the exact number here because uh, I have a feeling that family and friends are going to be listening in here eventually. But um, it's enough to it's enough a month to to buy something significant. Um, and the nice thing about it is that I could take that hundred dollars and I could just throw it in the garbage if I wanted to. And it's something that my wife won't be mad about. She won't. She can't say anything about, and she can spend hers however she sees fit. And sometimes we underspend on those allowances and sometimes we overspend a little bit, but at the end of the day, it kind of washes itself out. And that's been so freeing to have just money each month that we can spend uh, however we want because we know that all of our other things are taken care of. And so it's really guilt-free spending. And that's what I noticed about the budget. Once you have a good budget in place, it feels so good to go to the store and buy groceries when you know that there's money, going to be money at the end of the month. Um, it's so it's it's like, ah, it's such a great experience. It takes all the anxiety and all the fear out of, out of your finances. Well, the majority of them anyways. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, increasing income and decreasing expenses. I talk about this in a lot of articles, especially in the main kind of pillar article, the website, the best method for achieving financial independence. That's budget, emergency fund, savings rate, total stock market. So um, you want to do those four things. If you do those four things and kind of do them me- me- you know, in a mediocre manner, you're going to probably end up in a pretty good financial position. The problem is, is that nobody does any really any of those. Um, so it's kind of funny. Nobody hardly budgets. Um, kind of wing, they can, everyone just kind of flies by the seat of their pants, kind of wings it. Mm, very few people have an emergency fund because I think the latest statistic is the average American couldn't handle like a thousand dollar emergency, which is mind blowing. Savings rate is increasing income and decreasing expenses. People don't talk about increasing income because it's hard. It requires them to go get you know a better job. They would rather argue about getting a you know fifteen dollar minimum wage than to argue you know about why they should maybe go and learn a new valuable trade or skill that's going to set them apart and learn how to get a better job. And then T total stock market. Um, most people get into day trading or whatever um, and lose all their money and get fearful of the market and or just never do it. Um, you'd be amazed how many people I know that barely know how to log into their 401k account. Um, that's a little scary. Um, so a great way to avoid lifestyle creep is to continue to increase your income and reduce your expenses. If that's where your focus is, um, you're going to, you're going to see lifestyle creep trying to happen. And I think you're going to do a pretty good job at, uh, staying away from it. Uh, stealing from your future fund to uh, stealing from your future to fund today. So this is the last bit of information I want to talk about. So I think of lifestyle creep in the same manner of smoking cigarettes. Okay. That's not good for you. Trading, trading your satisfaction today for a less satisfying and potentially dangerous future. Um, So if you get into retirement age and you don't have enough money for retirement, you're going to become a burden either on yourself, your, well, not yourself, either your significant other, your kids or the state. Okay. So uh, taxpayers essentially. And so you don't want, you don't want that for yourself. You don't want that. You don't want that guilt. You don't want to have to do that. You want to retire in comfort whenever you want to. Um, So tomorrow is not a guarantee for any of us. Um, but that's not a free pass to disregard it completely. Even though, you know, you want to live in the present moment, you want to live in the now, you still need to plan for your future. Statistically, you're going to make it to at least your seventies and it's really time to start acting like it and start, stop living like you're going to die next week. Don't, uh, you want to pass wealth and generational wealth onto your family. Uh, at least I do anyways. And I don't want to, I don't want to leave them with debt or my, you know, bad financial decisions. So it's well known that habitually smoking cigarettes cause an increase in disease and mortality. It's also very well known that overspending today is essentially robbing yourself from your future potential wealth. 
And we don't want to do that. We want to have a holistic approach to our finances. We want to uh, do the things that we need to do that we need to prioritize. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we're going to be taken care of when it comes time for us not to be able to work. It's not the government's job to make sure that Nick is going to be okay when he's 65 years old and that I'm going to be able to you know, eat and have all my basic needs met and have shelter and food and clothing. It's not the government's job to do that. It's my job to make sure that I'm prepared for whatever life throws at me. And that's uh, some extreme ownership for you there and, and kind of have to get real with yourself and, and make those decisions. Um, so that's, that's really it. That's all that I had to talk about today. Um, I hope that everyone listening has a wonderful day, whatever day that you're listening to this on. Um, maybe it's a weekend. Maybe it's the work week. If it's the work week, I hope you're having such a good work week. Uh, stop trying to live for the weekend. Um, try to find, if you're not, if you hate your job, a uh, big thing that I realized was you can make career changes. I, I went from something that was really secure in the military and got a, got a lot of flack for and uh, completely changed my life by going back to school and getting some perspective, figuring out what industry I wanted to work in and going and finding it and getting a job there. And I've been there for two years. Next month will be two years and I absolutely love what I do. And um, that's been one of the biggest things in my life that's really helped me was finding a place to work and um, that I really enjoyed. So I challenge you to... Try to figure out what it's going to take for you to enjoy the work week and not look towards Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, as kind of like the the goal. Uh, the goal should be just to enjoy every day and make all the right decisions financially that you need to make along the way, so that you uh, you're not stressed out, you're not worried, and you're not you know finding these arbitrary days in the future to look forward to, whether that's Fridays or whether that's Saturdays or it's paydays or tax return season, which is coming up. Um, really, let's figure out what it takes to enjoy every day. And a big part of that is is getting your finances straight and um, not having that cause a lot of fear and, and not letting that drive your life and your marriage and your relationships. Uh, so I just want to say thank you so much again for spending some time with me today. Um, the sun's out today. We're still in winter, but it feels like spring almost. And I'm um, just having a great day. Uh, I had my first day at judo today. We talked about that a little bit. And it was uh, as 29, 28 years old, almost 29 Starting something like judo is definitely daunting and kind of an ego trip, uh, but uh, my son pushed me to it, and um, I'm so thankful for him and uh, just the, the way that he is. So anyways, that's enough ranting, uh, babbling. I hope you have a great day, and thanks again. Uh, subscribe, share this with a friend, and I hope to see you guys on the next episode.